Hello, I'm Hannah Kaplan, and this is the WCS Wild Audio Podcast, where you'll find reported audio stories covering the latest news and newsmakers from WCS's field sites, zoos and aquarium, and their conservation partners. We've got a great show today, so let's get to it. When the International Union for Conservation of Nature, or IUCN, recently reported that wild tiger numbers had increased by 40% since 2010, WCS Tiger Species Coordinator Dale McKell wasn't surprised. He was one of several scientists who contributed to the report. WCS Wild Audio's Nat Moss recently caught up with him to find out what's making the difference in tiger conservation today. The Year of the Tiger falls every 12 years on the Chinese calendar. It brings celebrations of this iconic big cat and all that it stands for. But it's also a moment to take stock of how well tigers are doing in the wild. In 2010, with wild tiger numbers down to just over 3,000 from a high of 100,000 a century ago, all 13 tiger range countries came together in St. Petersburg, Russia, to develop an approach to tiger conservation that would save the species from extinction. Dale McKell says the fundamentals of that approach aren't too complicated. The broad outlines of tiger conservation are actually relatively simple. We know the main threats to tigers are poaching, and people are killing tigers mainly because there's a demand for tiger parts for the traditional medicinals in Asia, and habitat loss, okay? And the third component is loss of prey, but but that kind of gets wrapped up in poaching because if there are poachers, they're often killing the animals that tigers need to eat as well as tigers themselves. So the recipe is to protect large tracts of habitat because we need large tracts for tigers to survive and to ensure that the animals are not being poached. As an example of this strategy, Dale points to WCS's efforts in the Western Forest Complex in Thailand. This is exactly the approach that worked in one refuge called Waikang. They were very successful in getting tigers and prey back. And then they worked westward into the other protected areas nearby and have largely done an amazing job of expanding across this landscape. And other NGOs are working with the government in adjacent protected areas. And collectively, we're seeing a massive expansive there. And this is just a classic example of how to do tiger conservation right. Another success story is unfolding in northeast China, where Dale says the Chinese government has made a huge commitment to conservation. In 2016, they created the largest protected area for tigers in all of Asia, over 14,000 square kilometers along the border with Russia. This is an area where um, WCS started working in 1998. We went with Russian colleagues to the Chinese side and with our Chinese colleagues looked for tigers along this border. Uh, And back then in 1998, We found a few tracks of uh, animals in the snow, but there was just really a scattering of males that had moved across the border from Russia, kind of exploring the territory. No breeding population. And you would say just looking at that area that tigers were on the verge of extinction. But we made a recommendation to the government to create a kind of a, a borderline protected area like where tigers would be safe if they came across the border into China because the forests were still intact. And we recognized that if they could protect those forests, stop the poaching, and snaring was a big problem there. If they get the snares out of the forest, the prey would come back and the tigers would return. And so just a few years after our recommendations, they actually created the Hunchun Nature Reserve. And we've seen a continuing movement of tigers across the border into China. And now uh, there is a population of about probably about 40 individuals. 
Dale says because of the demand for tiger parts associated with traditional Chinese medicines, we often think of China as a problem country in terms of tiger conservation. But things are changing, as he describes from a recent visit. Every time I hear someone speak, the phrase of environmental protection comes up. It's going to be a step-by-step process, but I see that happening. And we just need to hang on to the wildlife to allow the government and the people to catch up. And there's a huge issue of figuring out what it takes to get people to move away from using tiger parts or rhino horn or shark fin soup. These all need to be addressed, but we're starting to get a handle on that. And we're moving in the right direction. And most importantly, the Chinese government is moving in that direction. So while tigers remain endangered on the IUCN red list, Dale feels things are moving toward recovery. It's the first time, probably in at least 100 years, where we can say that the tiger population has gone up. So that's a really significant event. I think that will provide an impetus and support to the efforts that are ongoing now to get the tiger range countries to commit to another 12-year cycle of improvements to tiger conservation. Since 2010, tigers have gone extinct locally in Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia. The next year of the tiger comes in 2034. Can we maintain a healthy presence of wild tigers in all of their current range states? The evidence suggests that with committed action, we can. For WCS Wild Audio, this is Nat Moss.